<laughs> What's poppin'? You are tuned in to episode three of the premiere edging Coomcast Geraldo's Edge Game. <laughs> and we're doing it live, live via Discord. Of course. I did not announce this one. Uh, I just, uh, I'm in the middle of moving and I've been distracted and stressed. So I'm just gonna bust this one out real quick. I don't think it has to be any bigger than or more involved than it is. So, uh, let's just get into it. I actually... Everything else in the house is packed. I left this room intact. As you can see, it's pretty much the same. Because um, I wanted to do one last nut in the studio where I started it all. Started it all in this house. Um, very sentimental. Um, so much that I even took a video of the house before... I started like packing anything because I guess I'm gonna show it to my illegitimate children someday, perhaps. But uh, I am very sentimental, and you know, I think today I want to talk about how I got to this point, perhaps all the big moves I've made in my life. And uh, who doesn't want to hear a guy talk about places he's been? Uh, <laughs> as if you've never been to the Northeast before, uh, and to California, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, and I am jerking off, I'm jerking off, uh, through the sweatshirt today and through the sweatpants, it is an over the pants handy, uh, don't worry, it'll come out, it's just cold in my house. And I'll keep most of these layers on, actually. It'll be a clothed male solo edition. I know y'all are into that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this house, that's where I started it last year. That's where Geraldo was birthed. And that's where I was hoping he'd die, actually. But uh, my landlord is selling the house. And so I moved to a much shittier part of San Diego. Well, I will be. Um, but yeah, this is where I have my first massage video, where I shot my first pornography, my first moaning nut vid, my first silent nut vid, and all the above. A lot of my firsts. A lot of my big firsts. Um, but for those of you who don't know, if I haven't mentioned it already... Uh, I'm originally from New York. It's where my parents met. They met via um, some sort of phone dating service, pre-Tinder, you know, the kind where it's like, hey, you leave a message. It's like, hey, I'm Geraldo, and, like, I like bowling and, like, Filipino women. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that's what my dad's profile was. Um, and either my mom responded to that or my mom responded or my dad responded to hers, I think, I think, from what I heard, it was uh, specifically for Filipino women, uh, and I'm assuming for, for guys like my dad to call. 
anyway, so they met that way. They had me. I was an accident. I was a last minute, last ditch effort. And uh, we were broke. We were broke as fuck living in New York. Um, and then I guess there was an uncle of sorts on my dad's side that was like, hey, come to this, come to, come to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's uh, you raise your kids and there's probably less drugs and who knows, you know, maybe different kinds of drugs for your kids. So <clears throat> instead of Coke, it's, it's like meth. Um, so they moved to PA when I was like a baby. So I'm hardly a New Yorker, but, um, spent a lot of time there anyway. So we moved, grew up in uh, whitewash part of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, and, you know, lived the quiet suburban life. And I think I got really used to that. We had a lot of Amish out there. Grew up, like, across the street from, like, an actual farm. Like, I just would look out into the a wasteland of, of corn. Um, I don't know what we did. I don't know what I did. I spent a lot of time inside, actually. I was a gamer boy. I was a gamer boy in, like, middle school and the high school. Um, and I would always tell my, my, my active cool friends who would play outside that I was busy or whatever, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but we would spend a lot of time going to New York to visit family. And so I got a piece of the city life, got a taste of it, the big city, <laughs> but I always wanted to come back to my peace and quiet where I could be, where I could jerk off in peace and be as loud as I want. Uh, and then I moved a little closer to the city, moved closer to Philly for school, for nursing school, but I was still pretty much in suburbia, but maybe a little richer. Apparently uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania is one of like the richest counties in the country. And that's where I went to school. Uh, and that's where I dated rich, rich gals, rich gals at the all-girls school. Uh, <laughs> don't know. I, I don't know how much detail to go into any of these places, but after uh, I lived in like a college town, of course, but it was <sighs> surrounded by like like yuppie couples. I think it's predominantly like young professionals who just moved out of the city to raise their families. And then there's just like the, the college, the university is like kind of in the middle of, of it getting in the way. Um, and so it wasn't as a classic of a, a college experience as I had hoped because apparently there was this thing called I'm schmacked, which it might still exist, but it was just like a, it was just like a series of uh, video documentarians uh, going to various schools and recording like the wildest parties and shit. It was kind of like a, I don't know, like a girl's gone wild, but for, for bros. I feel like bros would watch that, like frats would watch it and be like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta show out when sh I'm schmacked comes through. Anyway, so apparently the year I went to college, I'm schmacked, uh, came to my my school and uh 
So they like tightened down all the security because they flipped a car that year. They like flipped a car too. It was like a small, you know, comparably small like riot. But in that part of PA, they just don't, they don't tolerate it. They don't tolerate that. So anyway, so basically it was pretty like dead by the time I got there. You know, lots of security, lots of police on campus. And uh, pretty, pretty miserable. Not miserable, but I, I was, I was miserable in school. But that, uh, I lived in the dorms for two years, the first two years, and that was fine. Met a lot of interesting people that way. Met a lot of girls that way. Frat stars. Damn, I don't know. I don't think moving is the right overarching category for this one, because uh, I want to tell you about my roommates. But <laughs> uh, freshman year, I lived with a guy that was pretty, like, as close to me as you can get in terms of, like, personality uh, and just general, like, style and way of carrying oneself. He was, like, kind of awkward, but he was funny and kind of short and kind of kind of kind of fruity in a way. Kind of, kind of, kind of questionably fruity. Um, <laughs> 2013 for context. Uh, and then, you know, I kind of lost touch with them. We went our separate ways, but my friends would all be like, yeah, that's just, that's just Gabe number two, uh, which I kind of liked because I'm an only child. So never had anything like, you know, remotely similar to like to that. Aside from my cousins, uh, and then my sophomore year, I roomed with a guy who lived down the hall from me. Um, let's just call him Andrew Blackburn because that's not his real name. Android Blackburn. He was a cool dude, uh, tall, lanky motherfucker, and you know those tall, lanky boys got that horse cock. They got that big old dong, and uh, that was just a stereotype I'd heard. But then I was told by a girl who also lived in our hall who fucked Andrew that he had something similar or akin to the diameter of a, of a Coke can. I, she specified Coke specifically. So that's how I imagine it. It's a Coke and not a Pepsi cock. But diameter of circumference of a, of a Coke can, but the length of, I don't know, a, a tennis ball can, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know if the tennis the tennis ball can is as wide as a Coke can, but anyway, it just confirmed the my suspicion of the tall, lanky dude with horse cock. Total stoner bro, total longboard bro. Made sense. Cool dude. I was like, yeah, I'll live with this kind of guy. I, I, that's what I thought I was. I thought I was still kind of a stoner from high school. So I was like, yeah, I can kind of chill with that. But I kind of stopped smoking by then. I kind of stopped smoking by college, really. And uh, every day he would fucking hit a dab. There was a point where he was ripping dabs, like before his 8 a.m. class every day. And... Uh, I, I got really annoyed with that, his ritual. It was it was very specific to like, uh, he would put, he would rip paper towels, I'd hear the paper towels first, and I would hear the crinkling of Pop-Tart wrapper 
you would open that and then place the pop tarts gently onto the paper towel which he had laid out inside the microwave so you'd hear kind of a clink clink because there is a kind of a glass plate in the microwave so the two pop tarts clink clink set the microwave i don't know a minute it seemed like forever hear that buzzing he pulls out the fucking torch like the you know how like when you heat up the nail for for dabs you need a torch but most people have like a nice like a handheld one like a pocket torch you know like joe rogan has and he just had a camping fucking like big old big old leader can uh and you'd he'd rip that he'd rip that to heat up his his dabs every morning and I would wake up to the smell of that. That and the dab itself, which I think smells like ass compared to just like smoking regular weed. <sighs> and uh, also, he also I should have mentioned he sounds like like a mix of like Kermit the Frog and and like Ray Romano, just like tall, skinny, lanky dude, but deep ass voice, kind of nasally, kind of dorky. Don't think he was Jewish. As far as I know. <laughs> Never asked, I guess. Um, anyway, one day I woke up in the dorm and he... I, I noticed there was it was quiet. It was quiet on like a Tuesday. And I was like, he definitely has class. And I looked up and he had his head uh, in his hands. Just bent over, keeled over, sitting... And it had appeared that his dab rig had broken. It, it appeared it had become two pieces. Uh, not shattered, but just like I guess the glass was not glued or something. I don't know. But it came apart somehow. And he was having a sort of existential stoner crisis. Because I guess apparently his bong had also broken that week. And he had just felt like he's like I, I maybe god just like doesn't want me to smoke weed he he really like felt this um and he kind of just stopped smoking for a little while uh, also he's a criminal justice major i don't know if I should mention that that adds to the story but uh yeah he kind of had this crisis but that's like my distinct memory from living in the dorms is, is like his moment of reflection um so <laughs> I should mention he also sold drugs out of our dorm. He sold fucking Molly. Well, he told people it was Molly, but it was actually like some other designer drug. It was 2CB. He was selling 2CB, but telling people it was Molly. Criminal justice major. Wanted to be a cop, actually. Wanted to be a cop and used the N-word unironically. But this was in 2013. I don't know. You can kind of get away with it like with your peers. So... 2014 is pushing it. <laughs> Shout out, Andrew. <laughs> uh, sophomore year ended. Moved into the aforementioned in a previous episode, uh, the, the glory hole house. The Glory Hole House, owned by a gay, an older gay artist um, who I met on Craigslist. And that place was nice. It was my first, like, 
other living situation beyond, you know, home, I guess, outside of Lancaster uh, and the dorms, which didn't really count. And I lived in like a closet. I lived in like a closet space. I feel like it was like like six by I don't know, like six by six. I don't know. That's is that big? I I'm not sure if I'm measuring. I was able to lie down in it one way, but I feel like that was like the length of the room or the width of the room. So it's like six by six and like a closet. And I just had everything. It was like a cubicle. I was living in a pod. <clears throat> um in a house with a glory hole. And that one was, I was very sad that year. I don't know if it had to do with where I was living, but I was, I was, I was very miserable. Um, <laughs> and then senior year, and I lived with, anyway, that house I lived with like three or four other like random college dudes. And <clears throat> they were like filthy. They were like, like they were all gross, like nerds. And we all shared a bathroom that was regularly cleaned by my landlord like once a week. And uh, like there were times where like they would shit like and shit would be like smeared on the toilet, like not in the seat. And like I still don't know how this happens because they weren't really that fat. And I've heard this is a thing for like really like overweight people is to like somehow get shit smeared up like their back and then have it like come up over on top of the the seat if that makes sense like the back of the seat where their crack is like it comes up on the on the top side rather than the underside and then also up the back of like the like i don't get it i just don't get like the physics of it but this would be a regular thing where there'd be like shit smeared on like the back of the seat in our in our house um and we had to like play like who done it we had to play who done it me and my landlord and i was like i i can guarantee you it's not me cuz look at my tiny ass but uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I'm off on this rant. I still, it still haunts me though. That maybe that's the distinct memory from that that living situation was the shit smeared. Not even the not the glory hole, but the shit smears on the toilet. And then senior year, I lived with two dudes, uh, who were like college friends, like high school into college friends, and then like. You know, uh, one of them got bought a house, bought a condo, and the other one was renting a room in this friend's condo. And they were like in their late twenties, and like still kind of liked to party. Like they still had a pong table in the house, but like in the house was just like really nice, but like not lived in. Like it's just totally a dude. Just like you know, they're like yeah, they look like their mom like came in and like put up a couple decorations or something. But like dudes that just wanted to be dudes and. In their 20s, which is kind of what I am now. Um, so I'd be curious if I could vibe with them now. But I remember thinking it was kind of sad. <laughs> but like only because they were still the people that were like, they would host a party. They would say apparently they would host a party every year, which I attended. Um, and they would, they hyped it up a lot. They hyped up their yearly party to me. And they're like, yeah, you know, hopefully it doesn't get too wild, you know, um, you know. Hopefully people don't like mess with your shit and like come in your room and all that. I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever. It's fine. And, uh, and the party came, the, part, the you know, it rolled around and like half the people they invited were like their friends from college and half of them were like married. They were married with kids and they brought their kids to this party. And I was like, I don't think this is 
what you were, you know, maybe what it used to be. Maybe they all had kids that year. But they were telling me memories probably of like when everyone had just graduated or something when they first moved into this house because it was it was pretty weird. It was pretty whack because I invited my friends at that time and it was like us mingling with like, you know, late 20s, early 30s, like yuppies. <laughs> and they hired like a guy to play guitar like in the corner and he was playing like top 40 hits and he was like overweight and looked like he was going to keel over at any moment. Like his face was just beat red and it really sticks out. Yeah. That moment. That's not the most significant moment at that house, but, um, <laughs> I think about that. I still get invites to that, to that party, to that yearly party, uh, via Facebook. <laughs> um, Shit, this is not where I was wanting to go with this. Uh, okay, so I graduated and uh, lived in West Philly for a while. I lived in a studio apartment in West Philly while I was working a job. Like It was like a 10-minute walk. That's why I moved there. All my friends were living in Philly. At, like, after high school, they all moved and like were artists and musicians and whatever. They were pursuing their, their creative dreams. And I, instead I went to nursing school. But uh, I finally was like, yeah, now I can finally, you know, live with my friends and like go to shows all the time, blah, blah, blah. And then just got miserable living in this studio, um, this teeny tiny place and, you know, walking in the cold to my job every day to the point where I wasn't like, you know, going out anymore. I was like, when I lived away from it, I would I would drive like an hour or hour and a half like every weekend to go hang out um, in Philly. And then when, it's, you know, when I was living there and it was like <clears throat> a car ride away, I would just sit in my room, my tiny studio and eat halal. I would, I would go and get lamb, lamb over rice, chicken, chicken over rice, like every day. Um, <laughs> And at the same time, I was trying to date someone like kind of long distance, semi long distance who was living in Baltimore, who was kind of in the same position of like having just moved to the city and being kind of depressed uh, with their new job. <sighs> kind of hopping around too much because I want to go into detail, but I don't think it matters. Um <laughs> Also, I just woke up like half an hour ago, so I'm still, I'm still dreaming. Okay. Uh, we'll move back home after West Philly, move back to my dad's house in Amishville and Farmville, PA. And worked in a psych unit and ended up seeing people from like high school, like in my, in my behavioral health unit who needed acute mental health care. And that was pretty interesting. <laughs> Could have been me, was once me, but not at that, not at that time. Um, and I'll save that for another day, those stories. But I worked there and then pretty much that winter when I was living there with my dad in that house, working in psych units, I decided I was going to move somewhere, somewhere without winter. <laughs> and I just was Googling like nice places to live. And of course, 
California, San Diego specifically always came up. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. That'll work. That'll do. So I spent that year just like looking up, like reading forums, reading forums and like looking at like Reddit for like moving advice or like places to live, neighborhoods to live and just retarded, I think. It's, 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 I think that's your only option unless you know people who like live there to talk to. But I hate trusting like online reviews of like anything. I, I really hate relying on it. But I know that's like <laughs> – what better option do you have? So I was like, whatever, I guess I'm just going to go and make it work. I hope for the best. And so I spent that year kind of prepping mentally. I worked at a summer camp that year, that summer, and had like huge existential crisis at camp. I have lots of camp stories for you, perhaps another day. Uh, and then I just packed up my car in 2018, October 2018, and just like drove across the country. Um with no, like, job or, like, place to live, like, set. Um, and it was just kind of like, I kind of want to end up in San Diego, but if I find a place I like along the way, I'll just stop and, like, try to make it work. And uh, I found some places. I, I liked a lot of what I saw. I, I traveled mostly through the south. I didn't kind of, like, cut up north at all. I stayed down south. Um, and along the East Coast. So cut down the East Coast and then cut through. Uh, I, I made sure to visit New Orleans because I definitely, for some reason there's part of me that thinks I should I should move to New Orleans now because of the one night I spent there and like the great experience I had there. <laughs> there's part of me that's like, yeah, that's, that's the move, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Pretty sure it's not because um, I don't, I think unless like I do party or ready to party, I'm not, there's not really a reason for me to be there. Um, not my place, but, um, <laughs> basically I, like when I went there, I met people who had moved from Pennsylvania. They were all from like, like South central Pennsylvania. Um, and they were, I think some of them moved together, but some of them just had happened to meet each other there after having moved. And one of them that sticks out is a guy named Johnny. And he went by Johnny. And uh, when I met these people, I was at like an absinthe bar. I went on like a ghost tour and like was trying to like talk to these girls or something at the absinthe bar. Uh and I saw this group of eccentric looking people and I started talking to them and found out where they're from. They're like, yeah, we're going to go pick up our friend. He's getting off work. And so I went and it was this like go-go bar, like this gay club slash whatever. And they had go-go dancers. And one of them was the friend we were picking up named Johnny. And when I met Johnny, he was shirtless and was wearing camo cargo shorts and Nike Air Maxes. He was like kind of a uh, a proto John Cena of sorts, not the one in the background, not the jean shorts, but he had the the camo cargos, which is actually my preferred John Cena outfit. Um, anyway, it's a long story that night, but Jerry, uh, not Jerry, Johnny carried a gun. I don't know if that says anything about him, but he ended up taking us around Nola. 
That's what, that's what they call it down there. <laughs> uh, and I had a really good time. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to live here. In my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay here and, and, and pick up drugs, you know, pick up a drug habit and maybe be homeless, uh, live in my car. Um, and at, towards the end of the night, Johnny was telling us his story and he was from Pennsylvania and he used to work in uh, construction. He used to work in construction and he moved to New Orleans to pursue his dream of being uh, a fucking stripper. He wanted to be a, a professional exotic dancer. And he was he he had not seen Magic Mike. He had not seen that movie or really even knew much about it at that time. And uh, I just when I met him, I was like, "This is this is the real Magic Mike right here in the in the flesh." And he ended up taking us to like the club on Bourbon Street that he was trying to like work at. He was trying to like get into like one of the the most poppin. Uh, male strip clubs like in the city perhaps in the world who knows I don't know that world but I, at the, up to that point I kind of had this kind of vague dream of like yeah that'd be kind of fun to do that um, to dance or just to be like you know yeah it would be cool to strip maybe even privately I didn't think I was good enough for a club I think I wanted to work like like private shows for like like older women perhaps you know like older bachelorette party type deals nursing homes, <laughs> which is still a thing. I think I would still like to do that. Part of me wants to like <clears throat> be able to do like a nursing clown, sexy clown, blow up the balloon like in your face and have the the old ladies, the golden girl stroke it. I still have that kind of image, that dream, but <sighs> it's on the back burner. And he took us to this club, Johnny did, and I was blown away. And I, I think it kind of really discouraged me because I was like, whoa, like these dudes can really can really work it. And we were there on like a Tuesday night or whatever. It was kind of slow, but they had like their big guns out. Um, and the one move that sticks out in my mind is this one where – and it's, you can stop me, you know, I'm sorry if you've heard this move or seen this move already or experienced it, but basically, like, the guy was on the stage and we had the chairs all surrounding the middle, right? So he's right here. Basically, he turned the chair around, this girl that was with our group, and he put his hands, like, over top of her and then put them on, like, the armrests. And then he kind of flipped his body over, so he was doing a handstand over like top of this girl so that his face was facing hers but upside down like Spider-Man style. And he's doing a handstand and he's like, for his uh, arms are fully extended and then he's slowly like lowering himself so that his head is going down her body till his head is literally just between her legs like right in her crotch and he just like goes like, I don't know if he was actually like touching her at that point but you know, his head was going crazy and then his, Legs at the same time were doing this like helicoptering, like back and forth kind of move, like twisting and gyrating all simultaneously. This whirlwind of, of like a six, like a 69 type, type deal. Um, and I think about it 
all the time. I think about that move and I'm like, if I can't, if I ever want to get into stripping or exotic dancing, I want, I want that to be my move. I want that to be my, my big finisher. And, um, yeah. And that girl ended up buying like, like, I don't know, like, like five or six dances or something. And it was like really expensive dances at this club. I don't know. She ended up spending like $500 or something for those six dances. <sighs> um, which she said it felt like getting fucked. Like she felt like getting fucked through her clothes <laughs> and she said it was worth it. So anyway, if I move to NOLA, I'll let you know, but that's, if I move to NOLA, that means I'm going to try to be, uh, an exotic dancer. That's what that means. <laughs> Time is ticking. Uh, Ended up making it to New York, or not New York, to San Diego, and Craigslist, you know, came in handy yet again. I found someone, like, immediately. Sorry, I forgot. I'm not, I'm not even naked this whole time. <laughs> it's because I'm not even hard. These stories aren't making me sexy. I'm not feeling sexy. I might redo this episode because this is pretty gay so far. I have a second mic. I got a second mic, but the uh, the boom arm, the arm did not come for it yet. So it's just sitting there. It's plugged in, but it probably isn't catching any uh, of my my jerk sounds. It's weird that I'm not hard because I saved again. I saved up all week and I was actually super horny this week. I definitely had to like resist uh, jerking off all week. I really wanted to last night. Um, and I was like, no, no, I like, I think they would want it. They, the people want it. They want it. They want the big cummy. I'm going to save the big cummy. Come on, baby. Come on. And so I just, you know, when your cow gets hard and you don't want to cut, you just, you just squeeze it. You just squeeze it. You just choke it out. You give it the sleeper hold. That's, and that's what I do every time. Uh, just kidding. I just went to bed. I was worried I was going to come in my sleep. It was that kind of horny. I was that kind of um, like boned up. I went to sleep last night fully like throbbing. Don't know how. I was just tired, but horny. And I was like, I'm going to hunt my bed while I'm sleeping. I'm going to have a dream about fucking Nicki Minaj, dude. I'm going to have a dream about Kyle Rittenhouse, ex his mom, dude. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't know why that came out. There's just this picture of Kyle and his, not his mom, but I think his attorney with the big mommy milkers and, uh, it's, you know, it's fan art, but sticks out in my mind, as do a lot of other things. <sighs> uh, 
Um, but I've been living here in San Diego now for three years. So three years from this past October was three years. And I was just lucky. I basically was living like a third of the average rent for like a big fucking house, like a fourth maybe living alone in a house because I'm friends with the landlord's granddaughter and she just was like, yeah, like I like that I can trust you and like, um, you know, you're taking care of the house, blah, blah, blah. She was just kind of holding it until she, until it was the market was right. And right now she's going to make a lot of money. Um, selling this place so I don't blame her for selling it but you know I'm appreciative for the time that I had and paying virtually nothing for this place um, which it just means I have to actually like work hard now and actually maybe spend more time on my OnlyFans or you know trying to make some extra cash so I'm gonna get desperate I'm gonna start who knows? I might show butthole soon. That's that might be what that means for you guys. Is that finally the the, the true butthole reveal is is imminent? <laughs> Just kidding. I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. The only person that gets to see bunghole, dude, is handsome Ben. Handsome Bang. <laughs> Hand me some bussy, dude. Um, I skipped over a bunch of moves. <laughs> I feel like the ones I wanted to talk about were like early childhood moves. You know, the really, the ones that felt the most significant. Uh, the one being when I like my mom and my stepdad bought a house when I was in like third grade. And had to leave my my childhood friends behind, my neighborhood behind. Even though I was moving within like the same town. I was still in the same school district and everything. I just, you know, lost my elementary school friends. Which, in retrospect, turned out to be like the, the most popular kids at, in our high school. Um, they were the rich kids that apparently were at my, at my high school. But I was living in like the shitty townhouses. But um, I would have repped elbows and shoulders and, and cocks and asses with a bunch of, of rich kids. Um, but, hey, maybe for the best. Probably for the best. Uh, instead, I went to the bumblefuck poor, like, hick elementary school after that and rubbed elbows with them. And that worked out pretty nicely. Um, but we moved into, like, a house that was, like, like pretty much like advertised as haunted. Like there was no doubt that we were getting a good deal in a house because it was fucking haunted is how I saw it as a kid. Because for some reason, I like my mom told me the story of this house was that they were selling it because the fucking there was a nice like Mennonite family that lived there. Classic mom, dad, one daughter, one son. And apparently they got into a car accident. They were all in the car and the son and the father died in this car crash and the mom and daughter survived. And 
this house was too big for them to take care of. The property was too big for them. Um, but apparently not too big for us, which was just me and my mom and stepdad. Uh, so we moved into this house and they had moved everything out. You know, they didn't leave anything behind this previous family, except, except they left this creepy ass shed, like a play shed with like a, like a sandbox and stuff, but like actually like built wooden like structure that you can go inside. And it had all these like toys that seemed like they were from the fucking like, I don't know, like the, like the, like the thirties or like the forties. Like they just seemed like decrepit, like old school ass, like collectors, like clown toys, like, like, like. Uh, like jack-in-the-box shit and it fucking creeped me the fuck out because it was just sitting there like I, I, I was like this does not belong to a kid in 2004 you know um unless they were collectors but that didn't seem to be the case <laughs> and so that was just there um and then in the fucking attic they had a, a ouija board there was a ouija board in the attic of the house and nothing else in the attic or in like the, really the rest of the house. And I have no idea. Like it, it, you know, it bothers me to this day. And my mom's like religious and kind of like, you know, superstitious along with that too. And she's that kind of brand, that brand of Filipino Roman Catholic. That's like, you know, don't snakes are the devil and, and all that. And so just even a Ouija board is enough to be like, that's, that's the devil. Um, <laughs> and we had the house blessed like a couple times, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what happened to that Ouija board. I wish we kept it. It wasn't like a nice one. It wasn't like one from like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a nice one. It was one of the ones you could buy at like Toys R Us or something probably. Like a board game, Ouija board. But regardless, it didn't make sense for that family to have one. Not at all. They were a Mennonite family. They definitely would not, unless it was a joke, um, and they didn't know. I can I can see it being like, what do you do with it? How do you get rid of it properly without like, you know, uh, cursing yourself or like disturbing the spirits associated with it? So maybe that's why they left it with the house. Or I like to think that they were using it to contact their the the dead father and son and somehow left their spirit there in the house with the Ouija board. I don't know. I don't know. But either way, that house was fucking spooky. Uh, and my parents still live there now. But um, shit went missing all the time, and doors would always be, like, fucking sitting wide open, even though they were, like, double locked. We had, like, deadlocked, deadbolted doors, and we would come home and like it would be like the back door from like the garage, which we never use um, except for my stepdad. But he's like my he's like always anal even before this house. He's like anal about intruders and whatever, whatever. Um, for whatever reason, we never got like cameras installed after these incidents. We just kind of were just like, you know, nothing's gone. So like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. But <sighs> So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why we never got like real security stuff. 
we probably just because we were cheap. We were probably just frugal and just didn't want to invest in more security. My stepdad's just like, yeah, we got guns. Like, it's good enough. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I busted a lot of fat nuts in that house. I already told you about those experiences, middle school nuts. Uh, and then by the time... Yeah, no other big memories there. By the time I got to high school, I was having a lot of issues, a lot of, you know, angst, a lot of stereotypical teenager issues, and uh, was, you know, had a lot of issues with my mom at that point, and basically I wanted to go to therapy and was saying, like, I want to get help, blah, 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 for my depression, and my mom ended up kicking me out. And then one day she packed up my car um, and had me move in with my dad. I just, like, went home and, like, all my shit was, like, packed up in my car. Um, and luckily, I lived close by. And I moved in with into his bachelor pad, which he had been a bachelor since pretty much, you know, him and my mom split up when I was, like, three. Um, like, pretty much after they moved to Pennsylvania, they they divorced. Um, and so I live with my dad, my dad's shitty bachelor pad and he lived like in what is what the closest thing to a city you get in rural Pennsylvania in, in Lancaster, downtown Lancaster. Um, and he lived in the ghetto place. Like he lived on the block, the same block as an Irish pub with like biker gangs. And I'm, I'm told that's like one of the red flags for, you know, a neighborhood or for a bar for a specific bars if like there are like there's like a bike a bike gang that hangs out there um <laughs> regularly uh and so we lived there and yeah we just heard people we heard it's like it was weird it was weird because like this is still pennsylvania to me not we're not living in philly or pittsburgh we're not in a major metro area but we were hearing fights and shit and then weirdly on the same block there was also um, uh, uh, an Islamic, like, worship center. I, I don't think they – they didn't call it uh, – it wasn't like a mosque or anything, if that's, the right, if that's the right fucking building I'm referring to. But it was just labeled, like, Islamic worship center, maybe perhaps to avoid any trouble with the Irish pub. I don't, I don't know. But it was on the same block, literally between – I could look it up. It was, like, two – like two houses down the street from my dad's house was this worship center. And then on the other side, like eight, maybe eight houses away was the the Irish like biker gang, like pub. Um, yeah, that like, I don't know. And I, my dad had just bought that house because he was like wanted to be a homeowner because he was fucking in his 40s and still living and renting a shitty apartment, which is fine. I'm realizing how fine that is now. But at the time, when you live in a place like that, you're judged heavily if you're that old and still renting, right? I have friends now who like are back home and they, you know, have all bought their first houses or whatever because they can and they're probably they're expected to and don't know what else to do with their money. They're not, you know, they're all raising families too. So whatever, whatever. But <laughs> my dad was like, I'm going to do this. And buy, he bought the cheapest thing you could call a house, I guess, in that area. Uh, nothing distinct about that house. I just learned how, how sad my dad was moving in with him. 
I learned how sad I would be with his life. <laughs> and I encountered his, 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 his respectable porn collection. And at that time, internet porn was pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I had discovered more options aside from the Biker Babe mags and the, the other streaming sites I guess I frequented in middle school. Um, but he had a, he had a blow up doll, which I had never seen in person before. I never seen one of those. And, uh, he had one in a closet. I was like, wow, he's lonely. He is that guy. He is that guy. He had all sorts of books about, uh, like law of attraction type stuff, like, like vaguely, like early pickup artist type manifestos <laughs> tucked away in his bookshelf, Art of Seduction. Uh, and, you know, and had lotion by the computer. That's how I was like, okay, like that's, that's it. Like he's, he's in that life, you know, no shame, living alone, whatever. You can jerk off wherever you want. Good for you. Um, even I move my lotion. Like I have my lube next to the computer now, but that's just because I'm using it. But anytime, every time I'm done, I am sure to put it away because there's this part of me that just imagines if I died and they had to come in the house, I, for some, that's not even the most embarrassing thing in the house, but to have it at the computer is kind of embarrassing in my death. Everything else, I don't care if you see my, my pocket pussies, or, or, you know, my, my, my muscly men pictures. Like, I don't care if you think I'm gay or whatever. My sexuality is questioned. I, I just, something about the, the lotion or the lube next to the computer is something about that just puts you at another level that I can't, I don't want to be remembered for. <laughs> Bury me with my lube. Bury me with my Jergens lotion. Um... And anyway, so, yeah, I lived with my dad then. <sighs> and I'm still not hard. I'm sorry. I don't know what is going on this week. I'm sad. I think I'm sad. I'm sad and I'm anxious about fucking getting somewhere, just getting moved in. I hate, I really do hate moving. It, I mean, I don't know anyone who, I know people who like moving, they like going somewhere new, but like the actual process of getting it figured out and spending all this money to get it settled is stressful. So it's fine. It's fine. So I live with my dad and then my grandma, like literally like a couple months after living with my dad, my grandma, my dad's mom um, fell and we moved in with her. My dad sold his house and we moved in with his mother um, who also lived in town. Um, and so this is not going to help my boner, but my grandma, she was like basically predicted to, estimated to die within like six months at that time. You know, there was, she was already basically like in home hospice, you know, having a nurse come through, uh, you know, co you know, loaded up on morphine, all sorts of painkillers. And also for the last like 10 years of her life, she was on like, uh, on an oxygen flow. She had a nasal cannula like for the last 10 years. Cause she 
chain smoked for her whole life. Um, the kind where my dad used to say she would like have a, a cigarette lit in every room in the house at any given time, you know, so that she wouldn't carry one. She would just go into another room, into the living room, and there would be already a lit cigarette in, in the ashtray ready for her to, to rip. Um, and that's why my dad developed a lot of, uh, I guess, that's what he attributes to his asthma, um, his persisting asthma into adulthood is his stunted lungs. But um, <laughs> so anyway, so she, you know, was a smoker even when she got the nasal cannula. Basically, she would take it out. She would take out her oxygen, her pure oxygen, uh, and wait a few minutes, maybe a minute, and then go ahead and light up her, her cigarette. <laughs> she never blew up anything, though, unfortunately. That would have been a much better way to go is to just blow up your fucking oxygen tank. But anyway, she lived in the house. She didn't have her tank anymore. She had the uh, uh, oxygen concentrator in the house. She just had this, she just always had this uh, tubing everywhere she went through the house. So you could see what room she was in at any given time. Just follow the trail. And I was, you know, like junior year, I think at this point, living in grandma's house and I'm trying to fucking party, but I'm also depressed. I'm like dropping out of school, dropping out of high school and trying to smoke hella weed. But meanwhile, there's like raw pure oxygen flowing through our house. Uh, and the nurses could smell the weed. Uh, every time I try to smoke in the house, they would start leaving like little subtle, like, uh, no, like warnings or notes, they, nothing directed to me, but they would start leaving like in the window, like, uh, Oxygen in use, no smoking, like on the fridge, like in the window. Um, I don't know why they were so passive aggressive. I don't know why they couldn't just tell me if it was such an urgent matter. But I was willing to you know, blow up the house at that time because I was I wanted to die. Um, and that was a mess of a house, of a living situation because it was like grandma dying, delirious, like on morphine. She ended up living, by the way, for um, like two years, I think. She ended up living like another like year, to, like another year and a half, I think. But multiple like visits to another, like to a, a hospice, an actual hospice where there was like, this is it. And then she wouldn't go home like a week later and then she would keep living. <laughs> um, it was a long, it's a long time to be loaded up on morphine it's it's not it's not fun to watch um and my dad was dating this this crazy filipina girl which i don't remember if i shared much about before but basically met this girl in a yahoo messenger chat room which i imagine is again dedicated to filipina girls because that's my dad knows what he likes and someone's there to cater to his to his desires so basically like a 20 year old filipina girl that was I I imagine scamming him. Uh it was never confirmed because my dad would not share details about how much money he was sending her. But she would be calling the house at like weird like at all hours. Every time they would fight or something, or that my dad would probably I imagine stop sending her money or something. And sometimes we'd come home, either my dad or myself, and uh my gra grandma would just be talking at like fucking three in the morning. We're like, who are you talking to? Uh, and it would be this girl. It would be this like weird 20-year-old Filipina girl 
just just rambling to my 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 morphine dream grandma <sighs> yeah so i <laughs> i'm getting i'm in over my head with these stories right now but i ended up getting my dad kicked me out at one point cuz i was <clears throat> you know I was angry. I was mad. I was, I was a teen and I was depressed and I was manic and whatever. So I was hopped up on all sorts of drugs too. I was taking different cocktails of, of antipsychotics and, and antidepressants and mood stabilizers. Um, and so I was miserable. And also that's like a terrible time to be trying to like figure out your drug regimen is like when your, your hormones are still like fucked up. I, I think it's, in retrospect, it's a really it could have turned out really bad. Actually, um, I could be retarded. I'm, I'm probably more retarded than I would have been if I hadn't, um, you know, <sighs> trialed all these drugs for my psychiatrist. But um, any, anyway, my dad kicked me out. It's just like you know, do what you want. Go back to the hospital. All that stuff. And I moved in with my like I guess my best friends at the time, which I, I think they still consider them like my best friends um but they lived in like an old like converted schoolhouse of sorts and i spent a lot of time at their house as it was anyway because that's where we would like smoke weed and shit but they were kind of like not well off they were kind of broke um and like you know the house was nice it was comfy it's just like they didn't have space for me like there was not i shouldn't have been living in that place because i had parents that could support me and like I was really a burden. Um, and so I was in that phase where I'm like, am I about to be couch surfing for the next year? You know, my senior year of high school. Um, and it was bad. I was just like smoking a hell of weed, going to therapy, going to day hospital. Like I had dropped out. I was going to mall school, going to this like remedial school, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't know what changed. I think the only thing that changed was that I had applied on a whim to school, to college, and I got in, and I was like, I guess I should, like, stop smoking weed now, and then I got into school, and then my, and then grandma died, and then, then I lived happily ever after, uh, just kidding, rest in peace, grandma, but I, I genuinely, I genuinely, like, look back on that and think, like, I feel like she stayed alive until, like, I, my life got together, like, I, she had, she, it was her house. She wasn't doing anything. She just was having me live there. But there's some part of me that's like, I think she wanted to see see it through, see me through that that rough patch, even though she never talked to me really. I just we would just sit there and uh eat ice cream sandwiches and she'd be, you know, fucking zooted and I'd be like, damn, I kinda wanna steal grandma's morphine, but I never did. I don't know why. But I feel like that would have been my that would have been very easy for me to do. And uh, anyway, there's no point to this story. I don't know why I'm talking about this dumb shit while I'm jerking off because this isn't going to make me come. But thanks for listening. It's been an hour. Uh, thanks for wasting your time. And I'm glad I wasted my time. So tune in next week. I will be in a new house, uh, much smaller and probably more echoey. And I'll probably be quieter because I won't be that confident how 
well my neighbors can hear me talk and moan. So stay tuned. Uh, tomorrow or next week's will also be later because I'm not getting internet installed at the new place until I think Monday. So I might be streaming Monday night. DM me. Who fucking cares if you want to tune in? And you may have noticed that I did upload the full version on OnlyFans only. If you notice the X videos, episode two, which if you're watching now, probably from X videos, this will probably be censored starting like now because I'm about to come. Uh, and you'll have to pay to see me come, which again, I don't know how many of you want to pay for that. You've seen me come how many times? Uh, is it enough to just hear me come? I don't know what, what else, what more you want to see. But if you still want to see me come in the same position for the third time, uh, check me out on OnlyFans. Please support. I am not on the verge of being homeless, but I, in the future I would like to not worry as much as we all do. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, suggestions... For topics, I'm happy to listen, take them into account, try to incorporate them. I have a list of things I can talk about that I never told my therapist, so I'm going to get through those first, but eventually I will get to your little whatever you like, all right? So without further ado, I'm just going to sit here and come because I want to come really all week and I'm going to do what I want because it's my fucking party. All right. It's my fucking birthday and your mom's not here and my mom's in charge. So if you, if you have a problem, I hit my mom. You can dox my mom if you want. You kind of have enough information probably to figure that out. But, um, I thought I just uh, deleted this whole episode, which would have been funny, which would have been fine because this episode sucks. <sighs> you want me to use the fake pocket pussy this week? Not the fake pocket pussy, but the real. It's a real pocket pussy, but it's a fake pussy. That's what I should have said. I think my dick's getting smaller. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, th <laughs> I, think my, I think my dick shrunk since last week. What do y'all think? Let me know in the comments. Is my dick smaller? <laughs> I just can't get hard. Uh, I just can't get hard. That sexual dysfunction is really... It's really hitting that that seasonal depression. Imagine the soft cock in your pussy right now, just slowly drifting inside you, just slinking away. I might just come soft. I don't even care. <sighs> come on.
Come on, Geraldo. It's time for your weekly milking. Uh, yeah, the fake pussy always does it. It's doing it for me. I was going to have a guest on next week, but it canceled. I was going to have someone. I haven't decided how I want to have a guest. I was thinking it might be funnier to have someone just sit there and watch me masturbate while we talk. Or like they don't have to watch me, but, you know, I'm just the only one masturbating um, rather than us both. If it was a mutual masturbation thing, the person that I had in mind was open to all of it. Uh, she was even open to having sex while talking, but we decided to be best. Well, she, she, I, I shouldn't say we, it wasn't mutual. She, she requested that we not have sex. Um, so who knows? I don't know if she'll still be interested in doing the show, but. <sighs> and if you're listening, I am talking about you. I won't dox you. Don't worry. I got too much lube on the outside of this, and so now it's hard to grip it. I know y'all skipped to the end of this episode. <laughs> You just want the cum shot. You just want to see the weekly coom. And I respect that. come on my keyboard I know you do you want me to get those keys nice and looped up for you Oh my fucking god!
Was it good for you? I don't care. <laughs> Did you come? Don't tell me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Alright, see you next week. I gotta clean up and pack this whole room. Good night. <laughs>